All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today on Rich Ridge Outdoors, we have something really special going on. We have our first and second guest on uh, ever. So, uh, guys, I just wanted to say this is a really huge opportunity that we have to have Steve Trugliato on, also known as I Love Sprig. And um, we also have JP from JP Outdoors, a very avid bow hunter and rifle hunter on the podcast. So, Brandon, take us away. Steve, John, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for coming in. Good morning. Thank you. You guys doing uh, good? How's the drive, Steve? It was good. Made this drive. This was like around the corner, you know, compared to all the driving you have to do in Southern California. Right, right. I mean, it's. I swear it's like every other week, man, you're running down to uh, the valley. I was actually there yesterday morning, yeah, shooting euros. Yeah, man, getting after them, getting after them. You doing good, John? Yeah, I'm just finishing up a little social media stuff. All right, well, keep that going. Steve, let's go ahead and uh, introduce yourself, man, kind of what you're all about and who you are. Um, gosh, I was born and raised in Southern California, I, uh, Long Beach, and uh, I've had people a lot of times ask me, you know, gosh, how do you know so much about hunting and fishing being raised in Long Beach? Well, when I was a kid, and I was born in 1948, so by the time I was 10, 11 years old, uh, Long Beach and Orange County were orange trees. And, I mean, this was pre-Disney. And um, so, you know, there was tons of hunting and fishing really close to my my house. And, of course, being close to the ocean, I, you know, fished a lot in the ocean. But um, it was just a just a totally kind of different era and my my mom and dad both belonged to a, a hunting and fishing club called the compton hunting and fishing club and it was right on the uh, la river and la river bed and there was just tons of game around um back in that era and uh so i was raised in that and then um i think one of the reasons i l- love to mentor kids at at my age and then even when i was younger is um I was privileged to have so many mentors, old guys that would take me because my dad, you know, was a typical worker of that era, you know, nine to fiver. And and uh, I had a, a, a very close, well, he was our neighbor, a guy named Kenny Van Doren, who was a fireman who had those great fireman hours. And um, I could go with him a lot. And uh, so I was able to be mentored by some really good hunters and most of these guys were SoCal hunters. I mean, we hunted, you know, all around Southern California, and they they knew like every spot. Um, and of course, access to land back in that era was, um, you know, much easier than yeah. it is today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. Then um, uh, I uh, one of my passions, you know, I played baseball uh, most of my life, and then. Went to USC and signed with the Baltimore Orioles um, when I was 21. And uh, baseball is a is a great career if you like to hunt, you know, because you got the whole fall off. So, yeah, I mean, I was like a kid in a candy store. You know, I had money and time, which Perfect. is a nice combo. Absolutely. And uh, so from baseball, I, uh, I, you know, looked for – once I was out of baseball, it was the same old thing, you know, looking for jobs and – and I landed with the Department of Fish and Game out at Worcester Wildlife Area and uh, worked there for a year and uh, 75 and 76. And uh, gosh, got this unbelievable passion for waterfowl hunting. I actually started hunting ducks in 19, where 
decoys. An old buddy of mine, Gary Anderson, um, took me to a uh, a place called Bolsa Chica. It was right off of Tin Can Beach back in those days, oh, and day. yeah, and he started putting these decoys out. And I'd shot ducks, but only like pheasant hunting and things like that. And and so we 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 put these uh, decoys out, and uh, I was kind of laughing because they were these little blow up kind, kind with a little nozzle in the back, and we're blowing them up and putting them out in the water and. I'm going, I mean, this is this is duck hunting. He goes, oh, but wait till you see it. And literally thousands of sprig pintail um, were coming into us, and I was hooked. I mean, that was 1969, 70 waterfowl season, and I was hooked deep. I mean, from oh, that yeah. point on, man, I was yeah. just. That's what happened the first time I shot a duck, man. I was hooked. Yeah. I fell in love with duck hunting. Yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. And then when I got to work for um, Fishing Game, you know, I was able to like hunt every day. I mean, I work and it wasn't even, you know, like working, but I mean, I'm working with waterfowlers and many of those guys that I met in 75 and 76 are, are still very dear and close friends. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, even today. Lifelong friends are bonded over hunting. Lifelong friends. Yeah, man. absolutely. Tell us a little bit of uh, your work in the the National Wild Turkey Federation. Um, yeah, I, well, starting in 1993, um, I became the president of Pheasants Forever. And at about that exact same time, um, the National Wild Turkey Federation started a chapter in San Diego. And we were all part of the relocation of turkeys into San Diego that year, right. 1993. And uh, anywhere from 289 to 293 birds were brought in from mostly Kansas into the county of uh, San Diego. And... Uh, led by John Massey, who we can all thank for having turkey hunting in our in SoCal. Um, and when those chapters started, I, I got involved with both of those. And, and today I am the president of uh, the National Wild Turkey Federation's chapter in San Diego. And, hey, we have our big banquet next Saturday, July the 13th. So We'll definitely let you plug that in at the end of the podcast, man. We'll get everybody... Get everybody that's listening involved. You know, the more people involved, the better for everyone. Yeah, we, you know, it's 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 something that we try to support. You know, and and uh, the our biggest thing for the, our chapter is that we really into the youth um, yeah. movement and trying to get kids out of playing video games at home and Absolutely. into the outdoors. Absolutely, and that's really my major goal. Yeah, well, I mean, as, as it stands, you know, I would the numbers are decreasing as it goes. So, Steve, um, I don't know if you know, I'm a new hunter, uh, less than a, a season on under my belt. What what information do you have to to get my generation like, you know, 20, like 20, mid 20s to, you know, teenagers out and into the outdoors and getting hunting and enjoying the resources that are out there? Because so many times, you know, we're focused on phones and technology and video games. And, you know, hunting is the last thing we think about, you know, during 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 the year after school when there is free time or over the weekend um you know social media is is uh is a wonderful thing i mean i'm 71 years old you know and i i just got my first uh, iphone like three years ago i mean i had a flip phone before that and man i mean it's like the greatest thing ever um 
And with the the forums, I mean, really, Jesse's started the first kind of like hunting forum. That was Jesse's outdoors. Outdoors, or Jesse's yeah. Outdoors. Then um, TOF, uh, the outdoors forum, kind of mm-hmm. branched off of that. With a bunch of us guys went over to that and started our own forum. And now, you know, SCH uh, SoCalHunting.com yeah. is really a, a a great forum. And for people like yourself, man, I say get on those because you can ask any kind of a question because it, hunting nowadays is not like when I hunted, started hunting. Basically, duck hunting, I'll go back to that. You could shoot seven ducks with the exception of canvasbacks and redheads, which we rarely got here. Right. So basically, you could go to Worcester and just go duck hunting and didn't have to worry about, wow, is that a pintail or is that a, a bluebill scop or right. or now there's regulations regulations coming out of our ears everything is micro managed to the max deer hunting back when i was younger you bought a deer tag you could hunt deer anywhere in the state of california and you were allowed one deer there and one deer in like the a zone and so there was no you know there was no zones no zones or applying for points or any of that and so it's gotten really difficult for someone like yourself unless you have a mentor. Absolutely. It's almost impossible for you to go out. And I suggested everybody get, you know, mentor somebody because I mean that's what's going to make our 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 sport, uh, you know, it's a more than a sport to me. I mean, it's a it's a way of life. Right. But it's what's going to keep it going. You know what's crazy about that? I'm glad you brought that up. I I go to a gym right down the street and there's this guy I've known for 20 years right and me and him were never really close and, and we're still not necessarily close but i see him in the gym he's a good acquaintance right he actually came to me yesterday and said brandon i got my hunting license and i got my d16 tag because he's been asking me he knows i hunt yeah. and, and he's been asking me and uh i just said yeah go take your hunter safety you know get a tag and, and you know that's all talk is cheap you know and he's like i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it so i just told him go do it and i'll take you out well now now i'm gonna actually take him out i'm gonna take him up to palomar mountain you know i you i don't necessarily think he needs to be successful he just needs to see game to stay um interested but you know it's like if you teach a if you take a guy fishing right he doesn't need to catch a six pound bass you need to let him catch a bluegill or some crappie you know it's super super easy but because of social media, people think they have to go out and kill a 200-inch mule deer. and You're going to get that element. I mean, there's, it's hard to get away from the, the trophy-type mentality. I mean, I've told people this a million times, and, and we've got arrows sitting here in front of us. Any deer with a bow Absolutely. is an awesome, win. Absolutely. Is an awesome deer. I don't care if it's a tiny little forky or a doe. It doesn't matter, yep. man. Until you've done it, mm-hmm. it is it is an unbelievable experience, and it's way harder than you think. Right. So. That's one of my biggest issues with social media and the hunting industry, Steve, is because if, you know, society makes it so that if you do not kill a 200-inch mule deer or, or you're chasing a 180-inch mule deer, that you're not a hunter, right? But it's it is so difficult to get into range with a bow. I mean... Even even shooting a 180-inch deer with a rifle is hard. You have to literally be in the zone that can produce deer like that and then find the deer. That That's such an unachievable – it's not unachievable. But for the average guy that, that only gets out in the field three, four, five days a year, right, good luck. 
good luck. Well, you know, you, you have to set your expectations or know what your expectations are since we're in. We hunt mostly D16. Absolutely. These deer are not Rocky Mountain mule deer. No, they're not. And you have to accept the fact that they're like shooting greyhounds right. with antlers. Exactly. I mean, that's yeah. really what they are. I mean, there are a lot of good bucks in D16. And, and uh, you know, I, I mentioned this earlier that, you know, 40, 40 acres of private is better than 4,000 of public. Right. But I know where there's some really great bucks if the guys want to put, you know, put the, the time work in. and time. Scouting is everything absolutely scouting is everything hunting anybody can pull the trigger and if you practice your bow hunting anybody can pull a bow back but scouting and knowing where the game is is the key and other than maybe financially or time if you're married and you have children i mean all these different things are time restraints right i mean for a person like me um i scout about 90 percent of the time and hunt 10 percent of the yeah, time absolutely and that's how you become successful. Well, scouting is part of it. Yeah. You know, it's it, a it fun is. Part you, of it. It, really you absolutely fun part. have to scout. And that's one of the biggest things I always tell guys that are new. You have to put miles on your boots, you know, and it, and it gets frustrating for the new guys because what ends up happening is the new guys go out and they get on a public trail that to us, we go, that's a highly used trail. Right. And they're not necessarily getting into the areas that they need to get into, but the new guys go out thinking, oh, this is what I'm told to do. So I'm going to do it. And they go put six or seven miles in and they don't see a thing. And then they get super frustrated and they're like, man, my feet hurt. My knees hurt. My back hurt. You know, all of this hurts and it's not, it, it's not conducive to being fun. Right. So it's hard for the new guy to get in Southern California, you know, specifically like d16 d15 d9 you know all these to, to go out and see game it is i've been out so many times where i don't see anything at all and i've been i've been i'm a huge glasser i know how to glass i know where to go and even the areas that we do go to sometimes we don't see deer we don't see game it's just it's that's hunting it's not called killing right and and then so you take a you take new guys here that will get super frustrated right off the bat and then you take a new guy you could take a new guy from here, take him into Utah, any unit, yes. go climb a mountain, climb a hill, sit down, get behind the glass, and you're going to find game well, I, just for, like, for the most part. Just like when we went there day before the season, yeah. open, between the two, us on each yeah. ridge, we probably, what, 150 deer oh, yeah. that Friday last, afternoon. Last year's season, 2018 season. And then the season opened, yeah. and it was full of pumpkins. Exactly. That's what it was, you know, and, and we went out to Utah, South Slope, Yellowstone. I'll say it. Don't matter. North Slope. Was it? No, it was South, South Slope, Slope, Yellowstone. No, it's North Slope. I'll bet you a set, of, ba you. I'll bet you a set of baps right now. Yeah. Semantics. Yeah. Listen, so it we went out Utah. to... It was, it was Utah, in Utah. South Slope, Yellowstone. We went out the day before the season opened. Literally went up. Just We we split up, boom, went two sides of the ridges. Just looking for deer. And just looked, right? Did our preseason scouting. We, we were winging it. We figured, hey, if we can be successful in Southern California, we can be successful out of state. Doesn't matter how hard it is. We, we could typically get it done and and it was a steve it was night and day different oh yeah night i mean it's just you know that's why people from color you know california have since i was a little boy have hunted colorado right utah i was very privileged to be able to hunt nevada in the days where our family had jeeps and the first jeeps coming from the war and we went into areas that were you know pack trains or or, or wagons went in and we used we used jeeps to get into these areas there were no wild, wilderness areas in those days so 
so we could go so we could go anywhere and we got into areas that you just i mean it boggled the mind on how many bucks there were and how many big bucks and how many deer there were and now for the most part unless you take horses or you walk you don't see this and for good reason right once we kind of broke that barrier even here in the sierras um i shot my very first deer at the headwaters of the the west walker river and that's all wilderness now we had driven in there with jeeps and i i spent many nights in old miners cabins i mean just the coolest places and you know i know that you can't do that now right but the the, the equipment now guys walk oh yeah uh the equipment today i i i've posted a picture of my dad and my uncle uh deer hunting um I think that's D17, but up in the Scody Mountains, where this big earthquake hit near Ridgecrest, and they've got these wooden backpacks. I think I've seen it. Yeah, and they've got this old rifle, mm-hmm. and my dad said it was literally the coldest night. They got these little rolls on their back yeah. for sleeping. He goes, he, he thinks that it was the coldest night he's ever spent in his life. You know, right. so the equipment today is waste. Same with same with these right. I mean, bows. Equipment today compared to Fred Bear starting, you know. You you know, back then, Steve, and I hate to say it, but it's the truth. Men were men back then. Your old man went out with a roll. (laughs) Yeah. In in a wood frame back. Yeah, it was it was pretty hardcore, and I mean that was the world that I was taught in. You know, I see I just kind of giggle when I hear guys talk about going on these packs and that. Yeah, bud. Yeah. You know. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we when we were in Utah last year, it got cold. Like it got cold, so cold that John didn't want to get out of the tent to go piss. Like he literally hung his, hung it out the pit, hung it out it the was tent. Cold. Oh, and he it, pissed oh, yeah. because I mean, there's ice in oh, the air. You shined a headlamp out there, and there's ice crystals coming down. You're like, oh, no way. I, I hear you. I I was in uh, San Carlos hunting turkeys, uh, <laughs> the Indian res over in Arizona with a friend. You know, one of the better turkey hunters I know. Certainly one of the best deer hunters I know. Wei Chen. Um, I peed out the door. Yeah. I mean, buddy, it was freaking cold. cold. It, yeah. and, and, and then I think about it, and we stayed out there for, I don't know, eight, nine days, whatever it was. And uh, it was, we were exposed to the element. We were intense, and we had a fire every night. But kind of. It, it was without a doubt. It was, sketchy. It, it was so cold, Steve. Yeah. It was cold. Yeah. It's, that hurricane but, dumped a bunch of snow yeah. the week before we, we got up set there. to go, and we weren't prepared for We weren't prepared uh, for snow. Weather. No. Yeah. It's, uh, well, again, I mean, the gear today is, is so superior to what we had back in, you know, the back old days. The day. and, and I have the new gear. I right. mean, I have it too now. You know, it's like everybody else. And what's well, even more yeah. superior? Ten years ago, the stuff is was so bulky. Right now, today, yeah. I still wear old school. I mean, I, I know that Q and and Sitka and. Man, I just it's kind of stuck right here that right. Know, 300 bucks for a jacket or $500 for a jacket. It, it's or- insane. I was in Colorado a couple days ago with my chick and uh beautiful country by the way. Anyways, we went in a Sportsman's Warehouse and she's like, "Oh, this stuff's nice." I'm like, "Look at the price tag." It's yeah. like $340 for a windbreaker. Yeah. You know? And exactly. I was like, "I rock King's camo." Yeah. And I'm going to rock King's, King's camo. camo. King's camo is yeah. amazing. That XKG series is yeah. is on point. Really it's, like it. It is just tough stuff i do wear camo a lot i mean i i wear it to uh you know and and back to where someone new that's getting into hunting you know when i walk around on everyday basis i kind of 
publicized. I mean, I yeah. want people to know. I, I know. You cannot believe how many people have come up and go, hey, what is what is Jake's? And I tell them it's juniors acquiring knowledge, ethics, and safety. And it's for kids, you know, and it's we have this 105-kid event. We just had it a couple weeks ago, you know, and then I might get another person involved. And right. so, I mean, I think it's all of our responsibilities to put the word out there. Because there, I think there's kids out there that really want to do this. And they're just hooked on these video games. Yeah. And they spend the, all their time indoors. Eating and, Cheetos and drinking Coke. Yeah. And, I mean, you cannot believe the looks on these kids' faces when that first black powder gun goes off at this event. I mean, everybody's eyeballs are about right. this big. And, I mean, they get to shoot shotguns, 22s. Everything. Archery. Yeah, we, we teach them all this stuff in a one-day event and all free. And that's my pet thing is that this doesn't this doesn't cost the the kids anything, you know. Hey, so. grab that tail. Yeah. We got a wagger. Yeah, we got the, we got a wagger in the oh, room here. Callie's in you know? here. Yeah, she makes an appreciate. appearance on every podcast. Every podcast yeah. she makes an appearance. You know? That's good. She'll lay down. Dogs are all good. Yeah. yeah. But as you're saying, Steve, like stewardship is huge. It is. Like I didn't realize it until I met uh JP and, and Brandon at the at the shop I used to work at. Like I used to think hunting was one of those things. It's like, okay, well, you know, animals are going to be animals. Like let's protect them. And then like, there's a reason why we have to protect them. Like I thought, you know, Hey, they're just there for their intrinsic value, their beauty in nature. But I realized, Hey, that's a resource that we can enjoy. You know, it's, it's, it's ethical, ethical meat. It's, you know, it's delicious. Yeah. And it also gets us out there and it gives us a reason, us younger generation, a reason to protect that environment that they're in. Um, of course, California kind of takes it a little bit too far, like you're saying, but, um, as a, as a younger guy, I didn't, I didn't, there wasn't a hunting community or a hunting, you know, bone in my body before I met these guys, you know? And, uh, I think your program is, is awesome. It sounds like an amazing, amazing thing. And, you know, we got to do our job to blow it up because those are the kids, the next generation who are going to protect and who are going to teach their kids. Right. And, you know, you were talking about how the kids, their eyes light up when they see a black powder gun go off. You know, it's, it's unfortunate that, you know, they're probably 12, 13, 14 years old and their eyes go huge when they see that. And the unfortunate part is Steve, is that when you were growing up, you saw that stuff from day one. Like the younger generation doesn't see the the outdoors, doesn't handle firearms, doesn't doesn't get out and experience life in its fullest and know that, you know, life and death go hand in hand. And, you know, and it's just a very unfortunate thing that the youth nowadays in our community, Southern California, doesn't see that because John grew up. John grew up in Idaho and he. He was doing it. He's going, yeah, the same Ever thing. Ever since I was, you know, 12 years old, first hunting license. Sure. So. Yeah, my first hunting license is 24, 25 years old. You know what I mean? It's like. Uh, yeah, I didn't start well, hunting until I was 19. I mean, it, 19. It, you know, living in Idaho or Montana is a totally different way of life. I mean, again, it, yeah. it's it's in the schools. It's, it's, it's never looked down upon. I mean, people want everything organic now. Well, you know what? There's nothing more organ- organic than that backstrap I had last night. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Nothing tastes better either. No. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it, you know, and I had I had backstrap last night, literally, and uh, and it was, it was, you know, it's killer. It is. Um, it's amazing, you know, and the fact that you're, you know, the cool thing about what you're doing is that you're taking time out of your life to promote this for the youth. 
you know, and it goes back to stewardship. It's all of our duties to do this. Well, and, you know, Brandon, there's those five steps, you know, in, of a hunter's career. Right. Like when you're first start, I mean, everything is, you know, unbelievable. It's great. And I don't know all five steps, but I know I'm in the fifth step. Right, right. Where you want to give back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to people and, mm-hmm. and to kids especially. And um, um, I, there's another saying that I, I say to people who, you know, wonder why I hunt and, and kill animals. I, I love it. I literally have a vested interest right. in keeping animals and conservation alive. Absolutely. And my saying, and I, I mean, I didn't come up with it, but nothing can live without something else dying. Absolutely. And I don't care if it's the lowest form of an amoeba. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Something has to die without for us to live. Absolutely. And, you know, folks, I mean, you can turn your head and you... You can do whatever you want, but when you go to the market and buy that steak, mm-hmm. somebody killed that cow yep. and did the butchering and all of that. And so people that say they're vegetarians, those vegetables die too. Yeah, absolutely. They're living organisms. It, it's just it's a tangent that that you can just go on. We forever. can go on and on yeah. about it. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just one of those things, Steve. That. You know, I just wish the state of California was more friendly towards hunters so that we could make sure the youth had every opportunity. There uh, seems to be more. Uh, California Waterfowl Association right. is huge into the youth movement. Um, and uh, they're a great organization to belong to. And, and I, I, I always feel that every waterfowler should belong to it. Um, here in California on a national level, Ducks Unlimited is, is another one that really um does a lot of good things right um for the youth programs and in and, and properties and in, in ducks um too but right. uh here locally every waterfowler should belong to cwa right and, absolutely what are, what are your thoughts on public land in california currently like what what do you think public land we uh, let me start with this um i hunt a lot of other states and we have as much, when you go back east uh, or Texas and these places, in the west, because the west was, was um, civilized later, right. we have a lot of public land, all in the west. There's a lot of national forests. We got uh, Bureau of Land Man, BLM. We have wildlife areas, wildlife refuges, all these different places that the places in the east and Texas and places like that do not have. When you go to Texas... You'll be hunting private. Yeah, it will be private. I mean, there's just high fence. Here's a high fence. There's huge ranches there, or huge amount of land, but on none of it is, I, is a public. I think it's something like one percent of Texas is public land. Yeah, where we, I mean, I can take anybody. We can go take a drive today, and I'll show you more public land than you could hunt in D16. Right. Then you have time to Absolutely. hunt. Absolutely. And and people go, wow, you know, this is all public. I, every bit of it is public. You've got to do your homework. I mean, yeah. Onyx, uh, you know, oh, Onyx Maps, man. Is, I love it. For a guy like me, I was in Utah, you know, turkey hunting, and I was, and I probably stupid to hunt this at this age by myself, but I still really enjoy just being by myself. I mean, a full blown predator, man. Right. And I was in this deep canyon, and I'd gotten down into this canyon, and when you get into these thick woods, and I mean, have you ever been in elk woods and things? Um, I mean, half the time you can't see the sky nope, because can't. of the trees. Yep. And I got down in this canyon. And it was so easy. I had saved that area, and I knew exactly where my truck was parked the entire time. Right. I could go anywhere in there with full confidence that I knew 
I'd get out of here. And I shot that bird really late in the evening. And, you know, carrying a bird out of a canyon and with gear and everything was, it was a, I'm not going to say it was a daunting task. It was not that, you know, big a deal. But I, I knew where I was the entire right. time. Right. I knew where I was in, you know, of course, this was all public. Um, but yeah, Onyx Maps is a wonderful thing. You want to know it's crazy? You bring up, oh, you shot that bird late in the day and you're walking out and it's dark and you're going back to your truck and you knew exactly where you were. The difference between doing that and you said you're in Utah, right? The difference between doing that in Utah and doing that in Southern California is for me, I'd be worrying about a cougar jumping on my head and biting me, <laughs> taking me down them head biters, man, them lions, man, they, out there, they're controlled. You know, yeah. here, there, there's actually a bounty yeah. on lions still. And, and maybe you all don't know or do know that when I was a kid, there was a bounty in California. I had no 65 idea. 65 for females and 50 for males. They paid you 50 bucks? They Fishing game paid you money to shoot them. And so this was the difference in our deer herds. They're they all confused now. God, our deer herds just aren't doing well. Well, duh. Yeah. I mean, I mean, does anybody know that lions eat one deer every 10 days? Yeah. Do the math. It's it's incredible. I mean, do the math. It's like I posted that on the forum, SCH. I posted five lion pictures, five lion pictures in seven days or seven lions in five days when I pulled my trail camera. Yeah. And it, that, that is a direct result from lions being unchecked. And, and I'll be honest with you, Steve. I, I've had, we've talked about this area years ago. I actually talked to you about the area, but anyways, uh, there were deer on my cams every other day. It was a good area public. It, it was, it was perfect. I, I hung a tree stand. I was, I was so pumped on the area come season. I swear to God, it was a lion festival. Like there was just not, and it's probably the same lion, but yeah, they have a big radius. Yeah. I mean, they work a big area, but the fact that they are in there all the time. Uh, once they're there the deer will move yeah and they're gone it's just the way it is it's gone yeah Yeah. it's it's just the lion problem in california is um it's something needs to be done well nothing's going to be done it won't happen i mean that's the fact of the matter it was a it was on uh you know it was a voted on it was uh yeah by the public by the public and i think to overturn it you need what is it two-thirds plus one to overturn that law and good luck and that would, that's a state of Cal. That is not going to happen. It won't. Lions do get um, uh, cold. Cold is by fishing yeah. by fishing game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when Dispatched. there's a troubled lion, if he kills somebody's goats or if he does anything like that, they'll call that lion out. Um, that Julian area is loaded with you know. Well, just like the one they smoked down in Rancho Bernardo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, they're and those are males that are getting pushed out, pushed out. because they have territories right and. Uh, you know, I, I, I've said this on the forum a lot of times. Um, I've never seen a mountain lion in the wild. I told John that the other day. We were talking about you, and I said, Steve has never seen a lion. And I go, how is that possible? I like, had two encounters last yeah, year. Yeah, John's had two of them. Yeah. 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 That's, a, that's amazing because, I mean, I, I, I'm sure somebody might spend as much time in the woods as I do, especially our local, you know, San Diego County, but not many. And I literally, with the exception of... Oh, maybe three, four that I've seen like cross a road, right? You know, like going up to go hunting, and I haven't seen one of those in probably ten years. But right. I've seen a couple, you know, that way, but never one while I'm on foot. John, why don't you go ahead the and first uh, one? talk about your experiences with lions? Well, the first one we were up at on top of a mountain, looking down, and Brandon and I were a uh, hundred yards apart exactly, 
And so we were there was a little herd of deer down below. We were just waiting for first light. First light was coming. We saw their we caught their eyes with our headlamps, and so we were just waiting for light to see what they were gonna do. And sun came up, and deer moved. They moved in the bottom. They got they moved out, and then I was glassing a hillside. Just I got tired of sitting because I get stiff, you know, got to get up, move around. And then I was like, I was looking towards the north, and I decided, you know what, let me turn around and look to the south. And I seen this cat walking up the hill. It was 80, 87 yards from me, which put it at 13 yards from Brandon that he didn't know about. Right behind me. And Had so, no idea. So I I pull my phone out, and I'm texting him, hey, you have a lion. Lion, lion, hello, lion, lion right next to you. Yeah. Hello, lion. Meanwhile, and I'm focused in the draw, like it, not paying it, it attention. Just, it was just walking normally, and I was watching it just to make sure it wasn't going to go after him because then I was going to, you know, scare it off. But so I got to Brandon and said, Hey, Brandon, there's a lion. He's like a little bit of disbelief. And I said, Come here. I showed him the footprints. And then I said, and then I got, you know, I arranged it to his little rocky point. It's at 13 yards. And it was right there. Right there. But it didn't look at him, and he didn't see it. It walked. Did it turn, or did no? It, it as just. Soon as it he just up kept walking. It, oh, well, this is the thing, Steve. Even... It had to have known I was there because it was directly downwind of me. Oh yeah, he knew. He knew I was there. Yeah, and it just no, it wasn't because we were. No, the wind was at my face. Yeah, it was, he and was, it was blown well, up after, over the rock pile. After he passed you, he probably smelled you then. Oh, technically, yeah. So he because he came up out of the bottom it. where the deer were at. Yeah, and the wind was in my face. So when he crossed. When he cut my tracks, he probably caught my wind at that point. And then, when was that other one? It was, uh, it was like November. November-ish. I was down in the... Our honey hole. In our spot. The spot. In the yeah, the spot. spot. You know how it is. <laughs> and uh, there was there was a little baby doe that's part of that herd in there. And it's like a really... It's either... It must have been a late season fawn or something like that. She was super small. Steve, small. I mean, yeah. This deer well, was. I've, it was, I've seen spotted fawns in in uh, October, so that it's probably I mean, that's like, like during that. deer season. Yeah, over, you and know. so it we saw it like a couple of weeks before. We saw it like every time we were in there, and well, I just sat down behind this oak tree in my spot. Wait, it was dark. Moon was up, and all of a sudden I looked to my left, and I was like, "Oh look, it's it's that little baby doe coming to me." Well, the moonlight shines on it. And then I see a long tail and a wide head. And I went, and I really went, oh, shit. And I, <laughs> I jumped up, grabbed my bow, and turned on my headlamp. And that lion, it was just from me to Brandon. It, it was, oh, Steve, it, was, it, was, it wasn't 50 feet. yards. Yeah, it was yeah. feet, man. Yeah. It was right here, eye to eye. Yeah. And so wow. I jumped up and grabbed my bow, and I, I drew on it. And that cat just looked at me and just turned. It just went 90 degrees and kept walking. And the, the thing about it that trips me out about that, Steve, is that that cat, that, that cat wasn't just walking into, it knew John was there. Maybe. It, it had to have. Yeah. Dude, you're. I mean, we made some noise going in. You're but. a loud human walking on oak leaves. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. cat hears everything that goes on in that forest sure. and then decides to walk towards you, even though you do not sound like a deer. Yeah, right. Just, you yeah, sound sit, like something else. So it's going. I'm it's curious, right? So even if it was like curious, I'm gonna go check this out, dude. Dude, it sees good at night. It knew you were. It saw you. It walked straight toward you. Yeah. But that was a funny. It was just crazy. Yeah. I didn't think anything of it except just like, don't jump on me, or I'm gonna. Yeah. Kill you right here on the spot. Um, just uh, it's been ten days or so ago. Uh, again, one of the guys. Um, he goes by the Matagui on uh on the uh, SCH, uh, 
He's a he's a cop down in Chula Vista. Him and his boys uh, a week ago were trout fishing up by Cuyamaca. There's a wild trout area there, and they had walked in there to trout fish, and they had caught some fish. and And uh, I think they I think they release everything in that in that area. And they're walking out, and his one little boy is walking in front of him. His other little boy is walking behind him. Now again, always carries. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. all, all the time. He decided not to, because of the mm-hmm. walk, he decided not to carry. He hears a scream, and Yusuke, who is his son behind him, is eyeball to eyeball with a mountain lion. Oh. And he literally runs back to his son, and the lion, I mean, instead of like bolting, just kind of stood, stood his ground, and he yelled at him, and then he turned in and ran. But I, I am totally convinced if Gin would have just kept going and Yusuke wouldn't have said something, that line would have grabbed, grabbed him. Would have grabbed I mean, him. It's happened here in the last yep. couple, you know, months, a couple, three times. Yep. Especially the one in, you know, RB. Yep. They got the kid. This, I am very sure this line, and literally Gin said it was the most harrowing experience he's ever yeah, had. Yeah, he, he felt like he was going to lose his kid. Yeah. And and listen, yeah. it would be nothing for that lion to oh, grab his kid oh. and go. And you're yeah. not catching that lion. No, you're I mean, you're, he, you're done. Well, the first chomp, yeah, you know, would you have the head. did a lot of damage. And and uh, yeah, so that's yeah, they're out there. I never even think about them. I mean, I think about rattlesnakes. Oh yeah, well that that's a <laughs> I don't like rattlesnakes. No, I hate uh, those things, man. That's never been something. I mean, God made a mistake. I think when he made rattlesnakes and and. Uh, so I I don't I don't care for rattlesnakes. That's probably a correct analogy. I've only ever had one encounter down there, and that was like early season. Well, it wasn't even season. We were scouting, and it was a big old Pacific Diamondback. You know, it was, it was a big old. Factor. Oh yeah, but I've seen. We just a lot. let it go. See, I I have a problem with rattlesnakes because my main fear, and I do believe this in heavily trafficked areas, uh, rattlesnakes are uh, evolving to not rattle. Yeah, they. I, I've heard that, you know, and they do evolve. Uh, the Southern Pacific, which is our, our most aggressive of our rattlesnakes in San Diego County, which, you know, San Diego County's like rattlesnake yeah. capital of, of California. Um, they they have evolved where they're uh, hemoglobin and neurotoxins in their poison now. Oof. And historically, only the Mojave Green was a neurotoxin. Now the Southern Pacifics have both. Oh, man. And so that's something that's evolved in you know i don't know how much time millions of years but whatever the case they they have both poisons now and so somebody like me older guy out in the middle of nowhere you're you're in deep doo-doo yeah yeah so i i wear snake boots during turkey season that's when i see but early deer season oh it's out there that early d16 or a22 or ao man i'll tell you what september is primo time yep that's when they're and, gonna get you and we're walking early in the morning late in the evening and that's typically that's their, when they're out that's their that's their time so i wear chaps or, or snake boots gators i mean gators yeah it's it's easy i mean it's just not it, it's definitely worth it i'll tell yeah. you that much there's no reason not to no i, I mean they're just they're, they're not expensive they and they work historically yeah. i haven't worn them that's the thing and that's the scary part Typically, I've always just watched where I put my feet, but it's not where you what you know. The issue that I have is not where I'm going to put my feet. It's what's on the side of the trail that scares me, you know. Because I'm not if I'm watching where I'm going. Typically, you know, you're going to see it coming before it's there, and it scare the shit out of you. Oof, you know, you get that instant shot of a, adrenaline. But 
it's the stuff that's in the bushes next to the trail that when, when you're walking in things where you can't see where or rocks where you're putting yeah. your hands i i i have hunted my entire life here and obviously uh in rattlesnake country i got hit once um and i was fishing at lake wolford with this guy was fishing i was walking around him and i was fishing for bass and i don't know what he was fishing for but i walk around him and i said hey have you done any good and he, he goes no and i feel something hit the side of my boot and i thought i had stepped on a stick you and know when you step on up. a stick you know it cracks yeah. and it kind of you know makes that sound and I look down, and I'm literally standing in the middle of this little tiny rattlesnake like this big, and he's hitting the side of my boot. Holy cow. Yeah. That is crazy. This guy freaks out. Oh, man. And it's a small world, but this guy works for Greg Casso, Apex Plumbing. And right. I go over, and he's that's Josh's uh, father-in-law. Okay. So it's a small world, and this guy goes, you remember me? I go no. And he goes. I was the guy fishing in front of you that freaked out when you oh, when you smoked that, on that rattlesnake. Oh, and I man. go, yeah, buddy. And uh, he goes, man, I I was. He goes, you didn't notice, but I was so freaked out that I literally picked up my stuff and left. And I go, yeah. he was that worried about snakes. Oh yeah, you know, Wolford Wolford's got lots. Of yeah, snakes they got tons the of them around there. Yeah.